Wake up. Freedom's on the rise. Welcome everyone to Freedom's Rising. This is episode number 12. I am your host, Tyler Bloyer, and today is June 14th, 2022. One of the things that makes me extremely satisfied when I'm posting the show of Freedom's Rising is to be able to go and post to places like Odyssey or BitChute. And one of the first places I go to, even though this is really just an audio-only show at the moment, the series of Freedoms Rising, but one of the first places I like to go to, or that I do go to, it's not even just like to, but it's out of the workflow of what we do here, is post to Odyssey, the video version. That gives me a download link. I use them to host the video download, as well as the embed on the websites. So if I post on freedomsrising.live or tylerbloyer.com or the One Great Work Network, you'll notice that we're using an Odyssey link as an embed there. Now, this has several purposes. If we were to use a traditional YouTube link, which is probably the platform that most people use to embed, then, yeah, we might be able to grow that channel, so forth and so on, but... You know, having Odyssey on there, I've had videos get taken down from YouTube for the BioSciWar. I still have things that get taken down now, like months or years later after posting it, and you'll see, I'll get an email that says, oh, we took down this video, it's against the community guidelines. So they're still retroactively scanning a lot of the stuff in the BioSciWar. Really, it's amazing that they would allow that series to really exist on YouTube at all. But the point is, is then, you know, what, then I'm going to have to go back and fix that embed on all the different websites and make sure that everybody has access to the video and double check it and you know but with odyssey and the mission that that platform is building yeah someday they might have the same problem and you know we'll 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 talk about that if it does happen but for now it feels like the best bet as far as somewhere to host a video have it work when someone uses it and clicks it and goes to it and they can access it and download it and that all that just is really great as a content creator so shout out to odyssey and thank you for making such awesome platforms that we can post our content to and trust that it's going to be there when we share it and trust that people will be able to view it without an issue or having you know censorship happen and now we have to go back and retroactively scan and go through our websites and fix things Again, freedom's rising needs to be unstoppable. So we also have an unstoppable domain, you know, that freedomsrising.live is on freedomsrising.crypto. That same name, if you notice on the support page, can use names to send cryptocurrency donations or payments. Uh, That is not necessarily why I'm bringing that up to ask for that now and that feels for me super awkward and I don't like asking for things but the show does need support but you can use the FIO protocol and it's a like a file naming convention or a I forget the 
name of that or the what the acronym stands for, but freedomsrising.crypto is a name that you can use in some crypto wallets to send a donation to with XMR or R versus actually having to remember the address that you would need to use to send cryptocurrency donations to. So with that, uh, anyway, that I was just going into why, you know, we need to build things more unbreakable and anti-fragile <laughs> things that can't be censored as easily and taken down off the internet. That's part partially what we like to promote and do at freedomsrising.live. I need to upgrade my pinata account because the pinata, which is what I use for IPFS to pin my files out to the internet, uh, or to the internet, uh, to other IPFS nodes is through Pinata, a service that takes your one IPFS file and pins it across many nodes, kind of like a content delivery network for IPFS. And I use that service. Otherwise, we would just have my node most likely hosting the files, and that wouldn't work very well. But the concept is to be able to send the files to a distributed network of nodes that can then share files across IPFS. I've been using IPFS for a few years now to publish my content to. It's really as easy as dragging and dropping and setting a few settings and then grabbing the link and then the file is on IPFS. So again, you know, just the concept of having backup systems in place for your content, taking your content seriously, if you're going to be putting it out there. And if it's important enough to you to be making that content, then it should be important enough to have backups and other methods for people to access it and you know there's other platforms that i probably should be building out and getting on like rumble for example is probably a good platform that i could start using for my content but i don't add channels very often because sometimes it takes quite a bit of work to do that if there's some sort of automation tool that pulls over the content that helps but again if you're using like youtube as the basis for that there can be holes in the content because of the way that YouTube might take something down or, uh, you know, the BioSciWar series that I did, for example, doesn't have every piece of it in YouTube because some of those episodes were taken down. So hopefully people are going to the website, tylerbloyer.com, or for this series, freedomsrising.live is where you can find that content. And again, thanks to awesome platforms like Odyssey, like Float, like BitChute, uh, that content can be more readily available. And thanks to technologies like IPFS and the unstoppable domains and uh, the IPNS naming system, then we'll have longevity on our content either way, even if it does take some back work to go back in and fill in the gaps. And, you know, freedoms rising and freedom in general needs cheerleaders, right? The idea of this podcast is was intimidating to me because I don't want to get caught up in the people thinking that this is some sort of political show, some right-wing leaning show, and also just some like libertarian thing either, or your your classical like political libertarianism. And you can go back and listen to the series Freedom uh, Falling Into Movement Traps that I did to see how I see a lot of the movements and the freedom movements as really being a big joke and not people that don't understand real freedom or how to promote real freedom in their lives and how to get freedom or how to build community and all, all the things that become buzzwords usually end up becoming, you know, just mush in the 
in the zombies brains out there like there's always a certain percentage of the population that just doesn't get it even in a freedom community even in a libertarian community or whatever and you know i'm definitely more pro a lot of the things those people are i just feel like we need to up our game with the rhetoric and even using a word like freedom in the title of a podcast is is iffy and touchy but i figured if we can't stand up for freedom and we can't we can't you know have something that is promoting freedom without you know taking some flack maybe yeah that's those are all fears right that i'm having in my head about oh what if people think this and sh- and say this but i think that the the time and the amount of effort that will be put into this over the years and upcoming shows and being able to spend time explaining more and getting into what Freedom's Rising is all about and then transforming my own life along the way and showing people how we're doing that and what we're doing to you know, promote this idea and get out there and actually do it and not just you know, be talking about it and building more entrepreneurial endeavors you know, in the effort of promoting more freedom with all that, you know, I've come to the conclusion as of late that freedom does need cheerleaders. I kind of, I was scared. I was saying, I don't want to have, you know, people think that I'm just like fanboying freedom and, you know, just sitting on the sideline like cheering. And then more recently I thought, well, why not? Like, you know, it's not like I'm just sitting on the side and guys, you know, that's true for me, our lives, my fan, when I say our, I'm usually talking about my local economy here my family the local the little cell like we talked about right which is really like a business and a household is like a a small business that's operating and it needs inputs and it has outputs and you you have to make sure that the inputs are greater than the outputs a lot of the time uh, or you'll start to run into trouble and everyone's got to be on the same page and there's got to be backup plans and redundancy so we have been on our own little journey of you know, going into the unknown quite a bit on this journey to creating more freedom in our lives, right? And and building community and what and a lot of the things that we maybe preconceived as what that looks like and how long it takes, you, you end up being completely wrong, right? Like you're you're totally off and wrong about the idea and how it worked. The underlying like theme is there that you had in your mind, but the actual implementation is not what you thought it was at all. And it it's a, takes a different sort of amount of effort and time and transformation. And you realize that building community isn't just something that you go and do from scratch, right? With, with other people necessarily. You, like we were talking about last time, it's more about what kind of skills you can bring to a community, integrating yourself and starting to network with that community through a marketplace, through you know some sort of way of networking with them. And this could be global like putting out a podcast like this. So we're starting to build that network with the community. Start, We're starting to you know, have people that are interested in this concept all around the world, let's say, right? And as let, for myself, as an example, as I start to build that community out, then I might start to meet people that can d- perform the other tasks that this project needs to grow. Let, for example, I'm not saying this is for sure going to happen. I'm just projecting and giving an example of what building community is, I'm offering a value, right? Hopefully this podcast becomes a value to people, valuable enough in their lives where they may want to even participate or give back or help out 
And none of this is expected, but these are things that happen all the time. This is how you start to learn and network and grow with other people. And then maybe I know somebody that can help them on their next step in the journey, right? So I could get them that marketing funnel built that they need by offering you know, the people that I know, not necessarily that I'm going to go build every marketing funnel for everybody that we start talking about marketing. But let's say that I know some people that can help them with that. And so I try to get them in touch. We, we, we make sure everybody's talking. And then, you know, now I can move on. But that networking ability gives us a powerful tool to be able to help each other out in times of need and not just everyone relies on giant corporations and the government and that's how we're going to fix the problem because really the idea of government really needs uh, people to be dependent on it, right? So government uh, helps people out with things, let's say. The inverse of that is government, in order to exist, needs people to depend on it. So what within the government trying to be promoting or causing to exist, right? People to be dependent on it. So if, if we're to become not dependent on those systems, we need to be able to depend on each other in a lot of cases. And the way that we do that is through building skills and getting so good with our skill set that we can offer more back to the community and then taking those goods, the services, those that value to market and having other people recognize what those skills are and then we can help them uh, understand how to learn that that skill or perform the skill for them and that uh, task could be done to just earn a living let's say let's say that's how you build your business and the skill is for example putting together uh, recipes and packaging dry mix foods and you know starting to sell your dry mixes to other people something that they didn't know how to make and I'm giving that example because that's exactly what Alt Eats does. And that's uh, Cassandra's thing that she does in the community. And is what I'm recognizing in real time is a- actually adding a ton of value to what I'm saying here. And I'm using all the, it's adding so much value. What it's been is awesome. It's really cool to see how we've been able to meet so many people through her networking and going to market. She's doing everything I just said and talked about at the local level. And, you know, here I am on the podcast trying to get it out to a wider community, seeing in my head visions of Freedoms Rising summits and, you know, exiting and building, uh, you know, participation and getting involved with the, the wider freedom community at a higher level and being able to promote what those people are doing and being able to put clips from what those people are performing into the show and you know, really building out that larger community and traveling all over and being able to go to some of these festivals and networking with people. But on the local level, it may even be more important depending on what sort of scenario, you know, you're in your life, that your lifestyle, it might just be way easier to focus on the local level. And we've proven that with that endeavor and doing local markets. We just did another market over the weekend at Sholo Days and it was a big success. I mean, so many people showed up and we're seeing the results of marketing locally and having people start to be repeat customers and coming back and talking to us and giving us ideas. And then we're learning more about what they're doing. 
And I've had many examples of that locally recently, even with someone where we like to go to the hot tub and just talking with them about the community and the lo- and they had lived here and grown up here in this smaller town that we're in. So they knew so many things and so many people and so many little, you know, places to go. And, and I just imagine like, you know, well, we need to come back and talk to this guy because I want to know more. Right. And then like, I want to let them know more about our intention. So not like, oh, I need to wake him up and uh, maybe he doesn't know about ABCD, you know, conspiracy thing. And I should go tell him about it. Like, no, that's, that's not what the goal is. There is to build a relationship with somebody, right. That becomes like a friend, a good neighbor. And then as they under start to understand what we're trying to do and what we're about, somebody who knows that many people probably knows a thing or two about how to achieve what we're trying to do, you know, with getting a like like a homestead property, let's say, or something like that. We probably that's how it's going to get done. You know, talking to people and who you know and your your network on the on that local level is so important. And I think a lot of people like myself and others in the in the quote unquote freedom movements, that can be another trap that we fall into is being so consumed with online, being so consumed with the telegram and even like the, the wider uh, community networks and getting involved with, you know, worrying about the great reset and the upcoming economic collapse and all this when maybe it's more about putting that effort into, you know, getting to know your neighbor, getting to know the guy down the street getting to know the local clerk at the gas station a little bit better, uh, you know, doing things. And the, a great way to do that is to start a local business, something that you don't have to go all in on right away. You don't have to say, well, I'm running away from my corporate job and I'm going to start this local business, you know, and jump right into it. But start small, start doing it consistently. That's one of the biggest factors is dedication and consistency. When you feel like starting the business, you're in a totally different mindset than when you actually are like a year into the business and now you don't have that, you know, honeymoon effect of the new thing that you're doing and you're kind of sick of of it already. And now is the time when it's so important to keep sticking with the idea. I don't think it's too bad if everybody gives up on something that they've started. I think that a lot of the time you do need to let things go that you don't like, that you don't want to do. But not not everything that you don't want to do is something that you sh- doesn't mean you shouldn't do it that day, especially when it starts to align with your larger picture, your value system. And that's why, again, I think it's, it's very important to have that bigger vision of what you're trying to achieve in life and then make sure everything you're focusing on and doing aligns with that vision. Otherwise, those things are much easier to give up on. And maybe those are the things, like we said, that should be given up on. But it's hard to keep starting things and failing, too. People like to be uh, successful, and we want to make sure that we're getting, you know, somewhere and making progress. And when you have to say, oh, well, this, this, I'm going to stop doing this because I don't, it doesn't align with my, you know, goals and motives anymore. So try to make sure that when you do start things, and that goes back to why, you know, freedom needs cheerleaders. And, for me, if I start to say, well, freedom's rising, uh, what do I know about freedom, and uh, people aren't going to want to listen to me, and uh, maybe I should just, you know, not do that, it wasn't resulting in a lot of, 
you know, income and I have to watch out for my family, right? And all this stuff that can start to creep in that's like, okay, well, I'm just going to give up on that project because, you know, it wasn't working at that time. Well, you know, freedom's rising. How can you, how can you want to stop working on that? How can anyone, you know, want to give up on freedom's rising? And again, not political freedom. We're not talking about here, like taking back the constitution and all the, like the mythology and the patriot mythology that goes along with that. We're talking about real freedom here, real uh, attitudinal and in the real world freedom that we're going to exercise and grow because that's really the way that it's maintained is through passing along the wisdom of what freedom looks like and wisdom being like knowledge gained and enacted into the real world. And that's not done through a political system. Political systems are meant to enslave the population and to control the mass amount of people and, you know, using any technique in the book to, and they have many, to be able to make those people think that they are free, even if they're totally enslaved. And we're mainly talking mentally here, but it becomes a physical thing in the real world that starts to manifest when people start to under, misunderstand and forget about how freedom actually works in the real world. And it's not done through, you know, a constitution. It isn't given to you through a government. This is something that needs uh, to be understood first. And it's also not done by going and running away. And, you know, you, you start your homestead and that's freedom. That is how we exercise more freedom, but the freedom doesn't start there, right? Freedom is something that you have to understand. And we're starting to have in, in, in your mind, right? You have to be able to completely, you know, understand. And so I think people get confused and that's a lot of why we have to get into more of this in Freedom's Rising because people want to, again, go and work on freedom through the political system and use government to get us more freedom, right? And that's the that would be the inverse of how it would actually work. And really understanding rights and morality and natural law and then living according to those understandings and aligning your behavior with that, taking on full responsibility for your life, for your family, for your community, and really then taking action and not just talking and not just saying we need or, you know, it's fine to be in action and saying we need, you know, but the the joke again, which someday is definitely going to have to have a coffee campaign coffee mug campaign or a t-shirt and coffee mugs or something is the we needs right we need we need we need without ever ever acting without ever getting involved without ever actually acting and taking action in your own life and becoming individuated really becoming that person that you know you could be and taking the steps that it takes to get there and you might not even be able to fully envision what that person looks like but you know you can do more and you know you can do better. And those are all maybe separate challenges, but related. Because again, you know, you, it's fine to be on a journey and it's fine to even, you know, not be anywhere near feeling like you're enacting your freedom or, you know, bringing about more truth, freedom, and prosperity in your life, the community, and the, li you know, the lives around you, your family. 
it can feel on that journey like you're not there yet. And then it can feel like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm just working my, my slave job and I don't know what to do. But it's okay, it's okay if you're on a journey out of that, right? It's a growth and it's a process. Things take time. It doesn't just happen overnight. And so you have to be patient and know and trust that as long as you take steps every day in the direction that you're trying to get to, that eventually you're going to make a lot of progress. And you don't, you know, stop there and say, oh, well, I've made so much progress and now I'm done. The process never ends. And it's a continual process of awakening and, you know, freedoms rising. And you have to make that freedom keep rising in your own life, in your own mind. And a lot of the time, that doesn't have some spectacular chorus and band playing behind you, you know, ringing the victory bells as you go. It could be a very painful process. This process could mean losing family members uh, or becoming more distant from people in your life that you were close to before, but that just aren't going to get it, right? Or that don't support you in a way that you feel like you could be or can should be supported or that you'd like to be supported. And it's actually causing a regression or it's causing you to, you know, stumble yourself because of the people around you in your life that you need to decide to cut out or distance from. And that doesn't always have to be some like horrible fallout, bad thing that's going on. Like those people have the freedom to do what they are going to do in their life. And you don't necessarily have the right to go and disrupt their psychology with all the, the, you know, crazy stuff that you've learned along the way or, or even just, Hey, my lifestyle is this way and you should live like me, right? That's not something that people want to hear. They don't want to hear how they're doing something wrong and you're doing it right. And, you know, again, going back to leading by example and, in an upcoming clip here today that we're going to be playing, uh, you'll hear more about that as well, as Nicole Soss from the Self-Reliance Festival is going to be talking about that as well. And that's what we really are going to get into today, and that's a longer talk that I'll be playing, so I probably shouldn't rant on uh, today about every little thing. But at this day and age, one of the things that we can do is use our voices to be that freedom's cheerleader, right? <laughs> to be the fanboy of freedom, no. To get out and promote more of, you know, if, if we've found certain things to be true and we understand certain things in our lives, we can have our own Tom Green show and we can help other people understand that stuff too and become teachers of those things. Or someone like, a, like myself who kind of sees himself as a teacher, a podcaster, a content creator, but also like a DJ bringing in other people. And that's, again, back to the concept of freedoms rising and what we're doing here. It's not just going to be me talking and I'm the only one, you know, in the podcast and I'm the main thing. I want to bring in other resources like we will today and like we've done so far in the show, obviously, to help add flavor, to mix it up, to get different perspective, to put things in a way that other people, you know, say them and capture that moment in this freedom's rising journey and there really is uh, sort of this underground revolution like this like quiet revolution happening and what you find is that when you get down through all the you know the cryptography and you peel back all the blockchain stuff and you can tie back the ip address to the guy 
and now you know who they are, and you finally decrypt everything, and you can see what these people are doing. They're trading apples and trading eggs <laughs> and goat's milk, and you know they're um, growing their vegetable gardens, and they're building domes, and they're trying to communicate about who's going to put the fence up on the property that they have out in the land as a, as a backup plan just in case things go really south, you know. And, and you end up finding, hey, these people are just like out out living their lives. You know, they're just uh, networking on the local level and trading things. And so, you know, that's that's what you end up realizing is that the people that are really sort of living it are perhaps, you know, a content creator, perhaps someone who doesn't, you know, get out and get involved in the community on in that way or doesn't have a garden or lives in the middle of a city. But... I don't think that just staying in the city is what everybody needs to do, you know, to fight them where they're at or something. I think cities are places where people are made more dependent on government systems because everything has to be sort of delivered to you. And, you know, you don't have all the conveniences or you do have way more conveniences than people who live out in the in the country who have to be more self-reliant, who end up being then less dependent on government, who are then less, you know, promoting big government systems. And, you know, that's why you see in the more rural areas, people are more politically right, traditionally. And in cities, you see them going more blue, going more left, because those social systems are what those people depend on. So going back to, you know, if government were to want something from you, it would be for you to be dependent on it so that it can exist. It's like a parasympathetic host, you know, or you're the host and it's a parasite and it needs your system to survive, right? And it tries to get you to think that you need it to survive. And it's so extremely clever parasite that uses uh, chemicals and signals and mind control and all kinds of things to get you dependent on it. And that's really what a big city sort of promotes for people because they become more mentally that way, just even being dependent on corporations and the conveniences of that lifestyle is definitely something that makes people more dependent thinking. So there's that method of, of like, well, you know, I'm going to stay in the city and make the change and there's more people I can network with and so we'll fight back in that way, right? But then there's the sort of exit the cities, go into more rural areas, network and start to build community in that area and get off the grid or homestead or be able to produce more of your own food or livestock. And those methods are sort of counter opposite to staying in the big city and, you know, not running away or people see it as, as running away from the city and you're just running away from the fight and you're not standing up to the tyrant and well, I don't know. I mean, what if you on your journey are realizing like you work for a really tyrannical place of business and that employer is, you know, forcing you to take uh, medical uh, medical vaccines or, you know, what I'm, I was trying to like find another word, but let's just say the employer forcing you to take a vaccine and you feel like that's a threat to your personal freedom. Do you stand there and fight that employer and stay there and, you know, try to put up a battle with them and 
end up i mean the answer is maybe yeah maybe you should stand up and fight for them but let's say they don't give you know let's say they stop paying you and they fire you and they're done with you do you still stay there and you know go into work and fight them on that or do you have to leave you know at some point you have to leave right so similar thing of being in a city and not realizing that maybe the better thing to do for you would be to exit that system that is you know no longer wants you there if you're just like trying to be a free person and spread the idea of truth and liberty and freedom in that community that just doesn't want to hear it and those people in there that in that city that's you know turning more left or radical left where they're big huge socialists and you know they're really big on government welfare programs and they're all about government education and funding those systems more and putting children into those systems and you know those people are going to get burned by doing that and they're going to feel the pressure and the loss of freedom from doing that and i don't think that you need to stay in that situation and subject yourself to that because of what the people around you are deciding to build in that city um as far as something that could become really tyrannical and start to say well you can't come in this grocery store and you can't you know pump you can't pump your gas here because you're not you know so and so medical status and you don't have the proper passport and everything again you know that goes back to why i think it's good and i haven't brought this up in a long time but it's everyone should have their own sort of tom green show and or other people might see this as the wayne's world show where we have tools and the ability now to publish our voices out to a wider audience and a wider community if that's the thing that we want to work on and that we we feel like we should do in our life then instead of doing it you know in a situation like that where no one's listening to you and everyone just is going to resist and fight back against you and trying to change those types of people you can put it out and build a little community build a little niche get a you know a, a thousand fans that support you or not even that just being able to get through the process of producing content and sharing it with friends or you know have uh, getting your you know, getting that angst out of you and being able to be productive with that by producing content. There's this idea of having, you know, like I say, everyone should have their own Tom Green show. Well, what do I mean by that? Or having your own Wayne's World set. It's it's that we have tools now and the ability to produce home studios. Like Tom Green had a a studio in his home, like his parents' living room. It was like a couch and a desk and he basically made like his own late night TV show, like a David Letterman or a, or like a Jimmy Kimball or whatever, you know, like these talk show hosts and had people on and it was funny, but it was like home produced. And he probably had at that point, you know, some sort of budget from MTV or the sponsors of the show that helped him do that. But, and then I, obviously Wayne's world is like a fictional show that's not real, but they had a basement studio and they had like a full TV, you know, like camera set up and they were like broadcasting out on the local radio on the local TV. And, you know, they had their own little show and it had like music and their own graphics and stuff. And now everybody's able to do that. And it's really not that difficult to set up at all. And I'm not saying like every voice out there matters, but if you 
have come to understand certain things in your life and you want to help other people grow and you know help them along their journey then it, it may be important for you to try to start to document that through producing content and people don't want to get on social media and they don't want to be involved and that that's me too i hate social media i hate facebook i hate twitter i got off of twitter years ago i still have a facebook account and it's almost like mainly because a lot of my family and and so sure friends and past is on there and there's like a good network of good people on there but the platform itself i hate and i can't stand getting on there and posting about myself or sharing things that i'm doing i don't like to do any of that stuff but i talking to myself here need need to probably put in more effort into those realms and you know make a tiktok account or whatever i'm supposed to do to be seen by more people and get out there more and be more assertive in that way because those tools can be used and leveraged for freedom right we can use all these tools we can use podcasting we can use things like discord or you know these these newer things like mastodon or element or get a telegram channel set up and start to network in these bigger ways and you know find other people that will help us on our journey or that we can help or that we can communicate with or they can help share our content and we can help each other out and we can start to get to know who the people are that have the thing that so-and-so needs or network on these levels with these apps and these things that you know like facebook that's horrible uh horrible algorithms and tracking and the way that they want to market to you uh through tracking you all over the internet and sell all that data to marketing companies and then they use the algorithms to try to manipulate you into getting things that they think you want through this and you know just you become the product you're the main product in that thing and they're mainly trying to get things out of you you know to milk you for something and so we should support other projects like float like you know, maybe Gab or Rumble or like I was talking about Odyssey earlier and use these other platforms. Unfortunately, you know, people are going to continue to use those older platforms as well. So we should use them for our purpose, but not go, you know, scrolling through and wasting like two hours of our day just scrolling through nonsense. Like that's not, use them to leverage your time, leverage the eyeballs that can see your content, but don't be used by the platform. Don't be the you know, the platform using you, use the platform itself. And if there's moral issue and you just don't want to use Facebook because you feel like, you know, they're in cahoots with the CIA and they're sharing all their information to the NSA and that, you know, that's all they do is spy on you and take all your data, that's probably accurate. And it would probably be good to not use that system if you want to try to stop using things that do that to you as well. And so we do need to distance ourselves when necessary and where we should or could, can do it. But then there's the double-edged, double-edged sword of that, double-sided swinging you know, blade, that there's another way that it swings that we can also use it to make money, let's say. And if you're using a tool like Facebook or, uh, let's say, PayPal to make payments, and that's how you run your business, and someone's trying to give you guilt about that, oh, why are you supporting this big company? And why are you supporting? And it's like, well, dude, that's how I make my livelihood, if that's your answer. And maybe, yeah, you agree with them that it's not a good platform, but you'd like to move towards better things. If that's how you're making your living and supporting your family and 
you know, feeding your family and putting a roof over their heads and saving for their futures or whatever, you know, investing in cryptocurrencies, like that's how you do things. And someone's going to try to give you a bunch of guilt about it. Like that's bullshit right there. You know, just because you have a job or just because you make money in a certain way and that's how you're supporting yourself, that doesn't make you a slave and you're, oh, now you're in a slave job. Like, no, everybody has to, you know, again, work towards a more free lifestyle and work towards supporting freedom in a better way, in a bigger way. And that's a journey. But if they're, you know, just getting by and not barely paying their bills or they've, you know, ended up in a situation where they're in a job that they don't necessarily think is 100% in alignment with freedom and everything like that and natural law and, you know, morality and there's some issues, it's still that that person is doing what they need to do at that time to take care of their responsibilities and no one should be giving them guilt for that you know, help them. If that's, if you feel like you need to fix that person and fix that situation for them, the the way that they make their money, then maybe you could volunteer your time and help them and learn more about their business and help them grow it and help grow those other channels for them. You know, not just like talking shit from the sideline when you don't really even know like somebody's life and how they ended up where they're at and how they're in that situation. And you're just going to make them feel bad, you know, for the them everybody's struggling everything's hard for everyone and no no one's having a really great easy time even if they're you know in a job that you don't think is in alignment with everything that we understand in the freedom movement blah 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 you know and that's not how we help people out through that situation either and we can do it by example and we can't expect people to just follow us immediately if we've made changes in our life and they haven't And then guilt trip, you know, or like talking shit basically about things that they haven't done yet. You know, just keep doing your thing. Make sure you're you you can become a teacher of how to do what you've done. And people may or may not take that advice. And depending on how good of a teacher you are, they may not listen to you. You know, and that then you know where your work needs to be done on yourself. It's not you affect the change through you know what you're doing. And not getting upset with other people who aren't immediately following along in your footsteps or something like that, right? So, admitting in your life where you're not prepared is one of the first steps to addressing the lack of preparedness and, you know, your ability to be self-resilient or self-reliant or more prepared and then thus more free because you have these things and you're not dependent on external systems that really seek to enslave and control you to, you know, live your life. So we have to, and this is sort of an intro now into the upcoming clip that we're going to play, and then we'll leave you with that. But admitting areas in your life where you're not prepared, and then starting to address those things, right? And for me, listening to the Self-Reliance Festival this weekend, and we'll drop that in the show notes for sure, but the Self-Reliance Festival was on June 11th, June 12th, and that was in Camden, Tennessee. And there were so many good speakers and great information. I've watched the live streams. And again, thank you again to the awesome technology that we have and to the people that put in the time and effort to actually hook up the technology to live stream it and put it out there for the rest of us to see 
And so far, it's up on their websites. You know, I've put it into the Freedoms Rising playlist. So if you want to check out the Self-Reliance Festival, uh, John Bush, his uh, YouTube channel, Nicole Living Free in Tennessee, Nicole Sauce, it's on her YouTube channel. There probably is other places that it's streamed out there that I'm not aware of yet. And I know we were just talking about how great YouTube was. But it looks like, you know, they probably, it was out of ease of use of getting it up online. Now we can take or they'll take and redistribute those out to Odyssey, to BitChute, to Rumble, whatever, to all the other platforms. And maybe they will, maybe they won't. I've backed up those live streams from YouTube on my local hard drive and put them in the Freedoms Rising 24-7 playlist so that that, like... Uh, what is it, like 15, 14, 15 hours of content can be preserved and then played, and then we'll be taking clips and playing that into the show, Freedom's Rising podcast. And today we're going to be doing that with the Living Free in Tennessee gal herself, Nicole. Awesome sauce is what they call her, I think. And she basically coordinated and ran this Self-Reliance Festival, which was either the second or the third, and I think they're doing another one this October, from what I was hearing correctly, if I heard that correctly. But there were so many great speakers, um, uh, Jack Spearco, John Willis, Ken, Dr. Ken Berry, uh, Bear Independent, Billy Bond, and again, there's a lot of animal raising and animal husbandry, discussion in here and even butchering animals and i know that there's a certain community and a group of people in this you know freedom realm that are like completely opposed to those ideas uh they look at eating meat and even just like raising animals as immoral and part of slavery itself and i used to fall even more on on that side of the fence with things i've come to realize that the real sustainable way to live free in your life and to be out in an area where you can sustain and be more resilient and really participate in that community even is through animal husbandry and having livestock. And we've even started our own endeavor into that through raising chickens. And it's been nothing but a good learning experience and really connecting back with how things producing your own food is a beautiful thing and uh, having to replenish the soil and make good soil and have a sustainable process on your land isn't done through you know just growing vegetables um, and I don't think that it's a sustainable process to be growing fields and fields and monocropping vegetables or uh things that vegans eat only also destroy the land and how do you replenish that soil if you're not using animals and these are questions if your answer is just you know chemical fertilizers then how healthy and great is this for our environment that we're monocropping huge fields destroying all the animal and plant life and small microbial and you know even the the smaller animals and the the mice and the prairie dogs and the rabbits that were on that land and you, you took and destroyed all their homes, right? And killed all those animals that you didn't... They weren't cute and fuzzy enough, I guess. But it's okay to do that. And it's not okay to replenish the land with birds that you're taking care of, that you're moving around, that you're checking, that you're, you know, giving 
you're even even some people consider them pets and you're you're petting them you know maybe you don't end up butchering them and it's just a, a way to make compost to make good soil and then you happen to get eggs out of that system as well this is a more holistic system that makes sense to me that is actually sustainable and is something that brings about more freedom in your own life living in an area where where you can do this it immediately makes you more resilient and more self-reliant and more able to provide for yourself and be more free you know so how is that something that is a a moral wrong thing to do you know and again I, i get like extending natural law to animals and i get that you know the non-aggression principle being extended to animals i understand the logic behind making that argument i just don't necessarily agree with that argument i don't think that because i I don't see the self-evident or even you know spiritually evident or natural law evidence that because we are a higher consciousness that we are not like animals and shouldn't eat other animals that is something that I can logically see how you're concluding that, but I don't see how the evidence that that is 100% true. The, the, I just don't, you know, it's, oh, well, you haven't, it's not in, the, you haven't gotten into the occult, this and that. And well, you, there's still no, it's not like a visible, measurable thing that says, well, because we have a higher consciousness now, we don't act like other animals and eat meat, right? That's something you're extending out onto the argument and you're coming to a conclusion to and a leap of faith, like everything ends up being in the end, you know, you you have to take some sort of leap of faith to make that argument. There's no, it's not like observably like a principle of the universe that this is true, right? Because if you observe, you see that, no, things get destroyed, things get consumed. Nature and animals all behave in this way. And if you're going to say as above, so below, you could just as well make the argument that like we are no different than that. And we consume and destroy the things around us in order to, you know, go on. And you could say, oh, well, what gives you the right to do that? And right now, in this point in the show, I didn't mean to go down this far into this discussion anyway. But I just wanted to recognize that I, I know that there are people out there that don't agree with this side of the community uh, you know, with people that raise livestock, and you'll talk, you'll hear Nicole talk about butchering a pig, and things like that, and you know, try to get past that. I guess if you're in that boat, and listen to what's really being said, listen through that, and you can have your disagreement, and you know, with me and and uh, the people that talk uh, from the Self Reliance Festival that that's just not the way, and. We can have that divide. I, I just, I'm not going to get into the debate with people. I'm not going to engage you on Telegram. I'm not going to get into it with you on Discord about this. So that's that. And other than that, the talk that's coming up does have some audio issues as well. There's parts of it that they're cutting to a different camera angle that has a feedback loop. And so when they cut to that camera angle, it feeds back. And perhaps there'll be some post-edited version of this later that doesn't have that. Like I said, I was opportunistic, being that this just happened over the weekend. I wanted to take a good clip of Nicole's introduction speech into the Self-Reliance Festival and put it into the archive of Freedoms Rising. 
I think it was a great uh, introduction. I'll find a few other clips throughout the next couple weeks that we can put into the show where it makes sense. And otherwise, I could point you to the Self-Reliance Festival website and the speakers that were there. Again, Nicole Sauce and her Living Free in Tennessee channels had the live stream going. So you can go watch the entire Self-Reliance Festival on repeat for now. At the time that I'm, you know, saying this, that's up and true. They may take it down for now. I do have a backup copy that's playing into the Freedoms Rising live stream. I don't think there would be any issue with that. You know, we're helping promote their work. Uh, coming up soon is, as well is a Pork Fest, June 20th through the 26th. So for those out there on the East Coast or those traveling, have a good time at the Pork Fest slash Fork Fest. And we'll maybe be able to sneak some clips out of that festival as well and put them in the Freedoms Rising live stream and podcasting show. So we'll look forward to that. And for now, I wasn't meaning to go this long today because Nicole Sauce's clip is a little bit long. So this will be a longer Freedoms Rising show, but we appreciate everyone for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow at Wednesday and then on Thursday Maybe Friday, I'll try to plan some sort of content for next week. I am traveling uh, to California. Yay for me. (laughs) How lucky I am. No, we're going to spend some time for Cassandra's birthday with family and on the beach. So don't feel bad for me. I'm pretty sure the area we're going to is is good to go. There's not going to be a a bunch of masking Nazis around there or something like making us you know, get off the beach is closed or something. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I'll let you, I'll, I'll report back from the front lines when we get back. And uh, the reason why I'm letting you know that is because there may be some lapses in content next week for that reason as well. But Freedoms Rising is going to be here. We're going to continue on with this project. If there are times when Tyler needs a break, myself, or there's something that's come up or someone that we need to go help or Uh, You know, as we enact this stuff in our own life and things become more hectic or there's a problem, yeah, maybe there'll be a week off or maybe there'll be a month off or maybe if you've followed my content over the years, there could be a whole year off at times, right? And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I don't know, I'm so sorry, don't mean to. I'll do my best and in the future hopefully be able to pack and front load and not miss a beat and, you know, we can be on schedule with everything. But at the same time, like, I'm not going to use that as something to be upset with myself or guilt trip or if I can't keep it up and, oh, I've got to take care of other things. Like, I do have other things in life that need my attention. I do have things that go on that require me to be present or times where my mind and my mentality, my self needs a break and needs to step away from things and move on to something else for a minute. But the content creation, freedom's rising. The whole idea of the show and the concept behind it is going to continue on. So thank you for your support. Thank you for listening to this far into the episode. And I would highly suggest to stick around and listen to this wonderful talk by Nicole Awesome Sauce from the Self-Reliance Festival. And we will talk to you guys later. Thanks. All right. You know, the best thing about being in charge is when you tell everybody you're starting 15 minutes earlier than the agenda says, you can just do that. All right. Let's talk about one of my favorite topics.
centralized power. Who loves centralized power? Yeah. Woo! Okay. So if you want to decentralize, what can you do? What can you do? Can you vote somebody new in office? Can you make a regulation that makes a charter school system possible? What can you do? I like to say this, laws don't decentralize things, you do. And we are here and have a great opportunity to interact with each other and decentralize the crap out of everything in our lives. And the only thing we need to do to make that happen is one thing, it starts with C, not that C word. Courage. Decentralizing things means you stand up and you do it. You do it. But that takes courage sometimes. If you're asking permission and not forgiveness, you get a lot less far than if you just, it's not morally wrong. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to sell some coffee and put a donation cup out. Okay, we've got people from a lot of places here, and I wanted to start out by telling you there is a flea market. It, it, who has something to sell that they're like, eh, it's not boots worthy? Raise your hand. So for 10 bucks, this gentleman here is organizing a flea market. And right after this session at that garbage can over there, if you're interested in jumping in on the flea market, he's going to organize that, work with him to do that. And we'll say that a couple other times throughout this. We wanted a flea market the whole time, but I needed a flea market czar. And a flea market czar made themselves known. We do not call our leaders anything but czars here. We decided to go Russian with this particular festival. Yes. We've got the vendor czar. Okay, now who is here from Tennessee? All right, look around, guys. Do you guys all know each other? What's up with that? Who is here from Maryland? Got, oh, three Marylands. Three Marylands. Who's here from Texas? We got Texas. Okay, what else should I ask for? Alabama? Alabama, Mississippi? Kentucky. All right, Kentucky. Missouri? All right, we got Missouri in the corner over here. Did you find your coffee? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Florida. Florida, raise your hand. Who have I missed? New York? Is New York here? New York, New York, New York, California. Why are you still in California? <laughs> Arizona, raise your hands. We got people from all over the place here. And there's, there are two things we can do, right? We can pod out by our states, talk about how we're going to make another one of these in your state, right? You guys got to do the work, though. I'm not doing it. People keep coming up, when are you doing this in my state? Never. Never. <laughs> I'm doing it here, right? But you can do it in your state. Because if we are going to decentralize and we are going to interact with each other and do commerce with each other without asking permission, what has to be in place? A network. I'm going to tell you a story. I live on a road where all of our neighbors pretty much are either prepper friendly or kind of preparedness mindset. My closest neighbors are the hauler neighbors. And we work together on projects like raising sheep, like raising bunnies, like fixing each other's 
things that go wrong when somebody knows how to do that. We call ourselves the holler neighbors. And one of my neighbors moved to California. I don't know why, but he did. And he rented out his place. And the person who's moving in wants to do homesteading and all sorts of stuff. He calls me all excited. You're going to love this person. I'm like, great. Put me in contact with him. I need to finish changing a lock on one of your outbuildings. Have him text me. I'll arrange a time. And their answer to him was as follows. I don't want to be friends with anybody on this road. I just want to be isolated up here. Right? That person is paranoid. And I can understand. We look at what's going on in the world right now. A lot. Of, how many people have woken up in the last two years? Just be honest. Raise your hands. What made you wake up? Probably COVID. COVID. Anybody else wake up for a different reason than COVID? So some of these parents were laid, laid off, burned through their savings in minutes. Anybody else? Something. Yeah. Yeah. Truck drivers see all sorts of things. Has anybody been demoralized by watching the public leaders, the government officials do things almost purposefully to make it look, to make it worse, to make a bad situation worse? Hands up. Yeah. And was your first reaction to that one of fear? You can, you can admit it. Who, who was a little afraid when they saw that? For the first time, what was your first instinct? Sell my house, get out of there. Sell my house, get out of there. What was yours? My first more guns, more guns. Was it? I kind of want to go off in the woods somewhere where people are going to leave me alone. Alex Jones was right. What? So there are three signs you're panicking. One. It's not bad to have guns, but if your only solution is guns, what are you ignoring? Food, fuel, water, community. Like one person with a gun can do some things, but like 20 people with a gun. I'm not advocating for that, but I'm just saying if your friends all around you know how to use guns, then if there's ever a problem, you can do a lot more, a lot more quickly than waiting 45 minutes for the sheriff to come in my county. That's how long it takes, right? Not that any of us want it to come to that, but if it has to come to that, that is the purpose of the Second Amendment. Am I wrong? No, no. So that's one sign. Another sign is that you have a room full of five-gallon buckets of 20-year shelf-stable MREs or other freeze-dried foods. Who has that? Are you ever going to use it? Do you use it now? So you use freeze-dried stuff, okay. Does anybody have stuff like that they're pretty sure they're never going to use? What made you want to do that? Was it listening to somebody's advice to do that? It was just like, I'm going to do what I can do, and I'm going to get this done. What are you going to do with that food now? Okay, does anybody here have good recipes for 20-year shelf-stable freeze-dried food? Raise your hands. Hot sauce makes everything taste good. Jake. Do you, if you know any hikers? 
Backpackers, uh, you might want to crack it open and see if it's like I use freeze dried food here in my Airbnb. I can just add water and it's a stew, right? Some of that stuff tastes terrible though. Has anybody tasted some terrible stuff in those? Those oh man, yeah. I mean, it's there. You have to decide if you want. There's a spider. Hey, get off there. Anyway, okay. Third sign that you're panicking. What's the third sign? Hmm. Cut yourself off from everybody else. If, if your response is to withdraw from your friends and your families who don't get it, guys, there will always be guy, people in your life who don't get it. And if you withdraw from them, they're going to not get it for longer, right? If you are an empowering presence in their life, and if you just model a prepared, logical, stable, building the life I want, right? Building the life you choose on your terms. If you model that, every so often a light bulb goes off. And I'll tell you a story of a light bulb that went off. So most of my family are not preppers. I, in fact, did not know I was a prepper until I started listening to the survival podcast while I was canning tomatoes for the year. <laughs> and this dude starts talking about edible wild plants, Jack Spierko, who's, who will be speaking tomorrow. And I'm listening and I hate going to the grocery store. So I figured out how to only go grocery shopping once a month. And I like rotate through my pantry, all the things we're supposed to do the right way that we will talk about on the panel tomorrow on Sunday afternoon with a bunch of preppers. And I'm like, well, damn, I'm a prepper. I thought I was just normal. So let's talk about this, con this concept of normal. What's normal? Oh, I was telling you a story about my sister. Sorry. So. California has wildfires two years ago. Do you know what happened at her place? They were starting to come in from both sides and they couldn't leave the house. And she started having to think, what am I going to take with me if I have to evacuate? Where am I going to go? And how far is this electric car going to take me? <laughs> and can I recharge, right? John Bush has already cracked that nut. My sister had not. And then she started thinking, what if they turn the water off? Like, I, I can hose down my yard by now. What if they turn? The, maybe I better store some water. And she called me. And when she called me, and this is the mistake most of us make when you get that call. I'm scared. I'm not sure what to do. You're like, finally, I told you so. Never. Ever. It's, it just is my butt big. That's that question, right? <laughs> you don't want to do that. <laughs> what I said was, I'm glad you asked. Here are some ideas for containers you probably already have in your house. You can put water in that. You can fill your bathtubs. You have a hot tub full of water outside. You've got all these ways to store water. And then when this crisis is over and you're ready, let's talk about some other things. And I guess this had happened before 2020 because when, when it started being clear that we were going to have shutdowns, I called her about a month before the shutdowns, and I'm like, hey, so how's your food storage? She said, well, my freezer's a little slim. I was going to get some more meat. I said, have you ever heard of Butcher Box? She said, no. I thought, you know, it's this really cool place where you can subscribe to grass-fed meats, and, and it comes every month. Maybe, maybe you ought to just subscribe to that right now, because I know you don't have a lot of storage in your tiny little expensive California house. They have houses that are like two bedrooms and they're a million dollars. It's amazing. Um, and 
she said, ah, I'll think about it. And then we're getting, I'm hearing more and more things because if you work, if you have your own business and you are tapped into the supply chain, you start hearing things before things happen, right? And so I'm starting to hear things before things happen. And I'm trying to separate the Alex Jones category from the what's really going to happen category. And I'm calling people directly and saying, is there really a problem? And they're telling me there's a problem. So three days later, I call her. I'm like, so about ButcherBox? She goes, what about ButcherBox? I was kind of thinking I might do that in the next day or two. And the next day was two days before California shut down. The next day I called her and I'm like, did you subscribe to ButcherBox? Because if that day she would have said no, I was subscribing her to ButcherBox with my discount code in the MSB. (laughs) Um, And she's like, I did it today. And I was like, well, thank goodness. And then the next day after that shutdowns happened and she had built out her pantry in that week she had listened to me and it was because back when she first realized you need to be prepared for things, I didn't tell her, I told you so. And so something, when you're talking to people here and they're talking crazy talk at you, which is going to happen today, I will probably talk crazy talk to you today on accident. Like we all have our places we go in our heads, try to listen and understand what's underlying that and talk about the core issue instead of the crazy talk, right? Because when we talk about the core issue, like it plants a seed and then a few weeks later, that person will often think, you know, when I was being crazy talk the other day and that person said that thing, it brings them back. And that's something we can all do for each other. Because what happens while we're here is sometimes we go up into this, this space, this panic prepper space. Because we start hearing about supply chain disruptions. We're looking at the prices of gas. We're wondering if they're going to, you know, start doing rolling brownouts of electricity. We start talking about all these things that might happen and they might. And then you start thinking, am I ready for that? I don't really want to go through that. And then you go, (laughs) and you go here, and then you say some crazy talk. And what we need is understanding. Everybody goes to the crazy talk place sometimes. And that's why we need our network. I think for me, when I look at what we need to do next, where we are, every time we have one of these self-reliance festivals, there are more people and we are one step closer to, we're pretty sure an apocalypse is coming. Am I right? I mean, are we basically here? Cause we're like, we think the economy might just kind of go, does anybody feel that way? Right? Okay, so how do you survive economic collapse? How do you do well in that situation? Not, is it coming? And oh my God, how do you do well? Who does well in economic collapse? (laughs) Build your empire while there's crashes. Tomorrow at what time? 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. Yeah. Goods and skills. The reason I talk about underground networking, and it's a totally different presentation every single time, is we are in a different place every single time. And at this point, we've gotten to a very important place in developing our network. We need to get our bicycles out of the shed. And we need to start solving problems like a Gen X team. Who knows what that means? What does a Gen X team do? Gen X, when I was a teen, because I'm a Gen X teen, We would go to school and we would come home and there were no parents anywhere to be seen for a lot of us. And we had a key 
the latchkey kid, and we would unlock our door, and we had been told very sternly not to talk to strangers or let anybody in the house and all the scams that might happen and what to do if somebody opens their door, you know, in a car and says, come in, little boy, here's some candy. And then we would do whatever we do when we get home. We'd go right back out that door on our bikes, usually, and we would meet up with our friends, and we would do all sorts of shenanigans. Some shenanigans I was involved with was playing with matches on purpose. Accidentally starting fires places I should not have started fires and then having to learn how to put out those fires and hide the evidence because the problem was when you did something wrong like that, the only time you got in trouble was with later when mom and dad got home, they saw the evidence. So the key skill we learned was hiding the evidence. And this skill has served me throughout my life. It is why this event is as big as it is, because every time we do something wrong, I'm like, I'm going to hide the evidence so it doesn't look like we did something wrong as best as possible. And we can pretend like we have it together. Did, we, did it work? I mean, isn't this a great video setup? Do you know how many days ago we started planning for live streaming? How many days ago, Rebecca? 18 hours, 18 hours ago. Just hiding the evidence like a Gen Xer, right? We've got the videos. We're streaming the high live audience. We are, we've got all this stuff happening. Some of this stuff was planned well in advance, but there's always that thing that happens when something grows where you have to iterate. Gen X is really good at that because we were over there catching fields on fire and having to figure out an excuse or a way to make it look better. One time I spilled an entire thing of red food coloring onto the kitchen carpet because I don't know why in the 80s we did this, but we put carpet in our kitchen and bathrooms. It was so gross. And so you're there and you're like, if mom comes home, mom is going to kill me. And it's red food coloring, and red food coloring is very hard to hide. It was an orange carpet, though. <laughs> and I had learned the following thing as a six-year-old. If you spill milk, what you do is you take a towel and you put it on the milk and you jump up and down and it soaks up in, in the carpet. And so I applied the same thing, and I spent approximately six hours jumping up and down on random towels and wringing them out and putting soap on it to get it out. And I almost got the stain out good enough, but I got caught. And the other thing that happened to Gen S kids when you got caught is what? Your parents made you fix it anyway. So then I had to use my money to rent a commercial carpet cleaner, like thingy that you could rent at this, you know what I'm talking about, the ones at the grocery store. And I had to spend a whole weekend going over the same red food coloring spot to get it out. It eventually came out. So that's where we're at right now. Last Self-Reliance Festival, my message to you was go out and Get each other's contact information and do stuff. Who did that? One person. Well, there's only like a 5% last. Yeah, it's, it's a thing. These are mostly new people. And this time, we now need to solve problems like a Gen Xer. And some of the problems we're looking at right now are food shortages are coming. You might actually get into those weird food stores that you don't want to eat because food shortages are coming. But if you are solving the food shortage problem like a Gen Xer, what are you doing right now? You're coming to this festival. What are you going to learn? How to grow your own food. Creating sustainable sources of food wherever you are, which is possible even on a truck. Do you do it on your truck? Yeah, some trucker. I know some truckers who grow like herbs and things. That is possible. It is possible in your apartment if you have any sun coming in anywhere without grow lights to do it. But if you add grow lights, you can actually grow a lot of stuff inside. 
If you have a suburban lot or a yard, you can grow food. Go look at John's aquaponics system back there, right? You can grow food there. Sustainable sources of food are great, but there's another thing you can do right now. You can build your pantry savings account. Building your pantry savings account doesn't mean go buy all the rice and beans if you don't eat rice and beans, though. If that's what you need to do to fill a gap because that's what you have the money for and you are resigned to, I'm going to eat rice and beans if I can't get other things at the store, that's actually not bad. If you're going to do that, learn how to cook rice and beans and get spices along with that and a good store of salt, though. And if you're cooking from dry, learn how long how to cook from dry and how long you can keep dry beans where they will still cook. If you keep them too long, they never quite get soft. If you eat the ones that are never quite too soft, let's just say you're going to have a very long day on the toilet the next day. Okay, so you want to learn some of those things. Um, that your pantry savings account can be built. Okay, fuel is a problem now. Prices are going up. I even noticed. Like when it was up 50 cents, I was like, eh. Okay, now it's up like two bucks. That's starting to matter in my 25-gallon tank right? That's 50 bucks extra every time. What can you do right now? Stop, drop, and roll. No. <laughs> so if you have not established your fuel storage system, Jack Spierker will talk about when I'm sure we'll ask him about it on Sunday, about adding five gallons a month until you have 12 five-gallon cans, putting fuel stabilizer in those as you go and rotating them through. I like to use ethanol-free gas for that. That's a way to have a lot of gas stored. And when there's a spike, which we know we're spiking for sure between now and mid-July, it may come back down again, right? So if you need to tap into that save that fuel savings account, you can. Here's another thing. Based on data I've seen, and if other people have other information, this is where we share it in our network right here. I don't see... They, I don't see us spiking this week and going down next week. What I'm looking at, it looks like we're going to go up through mid-July for sure, okay? That means anytime I'm driving home past the gas stations, I know where the prices are approximately the best I can get. You know what I do? I fill up because by the next day, sometimes it's up 10 cents a gallon. That's my fuel savings account. That's just a habit I can build. There are tools you can use like Gas Buddy, which is a phone app that lets you Analyze gas stations in your area. What is a stupid move with that information, though, is what? <laughs> Driving 10 miles to get cheaper gas by two cents a gallon. It does not make sense. You need to, you need to be logical about that. Sometimes it is better not. You don't, if you always only go for the cheapest thing, you will spend more money and time going for the cheapest thing than just having an ongoing gas savings account in your life. What else are you worried about in the economic collapse that you don't feel ready for? Security, electricity. Okay, let's talk about electricity. What can we do about electricity? What does electricity do for you that you really care about? The freezer, the air conditioner. Solar power, I, I don't know much about solar power generators, but I've heard some people like them. You can also just get a generator. Generators are not super expensive. You have to have the gas savings account for the generator. There's another big thing you can do, and that is adjust your expectation. Adjust your expectation. Air conditioning your whole house takes one amount of, of a power, right? If the grid goes down, are you cooling your whole house with a generator? You can cool one room. Do you have ideas of how you could cool down if you can't do that? 
I have a creek by my house. I have an idea of what I would do all day if I'm too hot. It's going to sit in that 55 degree water until I'm so cold I come back outside and welcome the heat, right? Think of other ways to stay cool. I know from living on a homestead that we end up with microclimates and you will see, you'll fill them here off the hardest, hottest part of the day, which is in the afternoon. There are places on this property where you can go that it's cooler, it has a cross breeze. A lot of that is over by kind of where that porta potty corner area is. Like people were sitting here last night at four o'clock and it was kind of cool here. And then by five o'clock, it was not cool here. But if you went over there, it was noticeably cooler. You can start adjusting your expectations because sometimes when all, if all the power were to go out for three weeks, it is what it is. If you're prepared to go through three weeks of that, great. If you, if you have the budget and can build up alternative power sources, start looking at which ones make sense for your area, but that's a very localized thing. Sean Mills, are you here? I saw him walk by. Okay. Sean Mills from Hack My Solar, who I will call out a few more times, talk to that guy. He has a great way of auditing your house to figure out should you add solar in a battery bank? Is water a better source for your power? Is wind a better source? For your, do you just need to like figure out how to use less power? Do you want to add a solar water heater? Because the other thing I would miss is a hot shower. Last summer, my propane got cut off for two weeks. Guess how I heat water? Propane. But we were working on my house and I couldn't have any propane. I could cook outside on the grill. I could cool my house with electricity, but hot water. However, the year before that, we had installed a solar hot water heater on my roof that goes from the roof to a, an old water tank, water heater tank, and it circulates with a pump. Need power for that. Not very much. I could hook that up to a solar panel right now, and it would just run when the sun was out, when it's warm outside. It'd be perfect. Totally haven't done that, and I totally should. And then when it goes from there, it goes to an on-demand water heater. Do you know what that does? Brings it from wherever it is to 120 degrees. I had to buy a more expensive one of those. The system before that tankless heater cost me $250 in materials. That would probably cost you $450 now because copper has gone up in price. And all it is is coils of copper that's painted black on my roof with an insulated box with that foam insulation, you know, that you can get at almost any hardware store and a clear roof panel. And when I didn't have any way to heat water except for my stove, for two weeks last summer in July, guess what time of day I took my shower? I took it at noon. Yeah, but basically, if I took it in the morning, it was 80 degree water. If I took it at noon, it was perfect. And so I had to adjust my expectation. My expectation there wasn't, do I get a hot shower? It does not have to be that. We could all live in tents if we need to, right? But I don't want to live in a tent right now. My expectation was no morning shower. It's the nooning shower. The nooning shower is fine. So there are so many things you can do. When I looked at my propane savings with that water heater, the first year I saved $250 and paid for it. The next year I saved $250 and paid for half of my tankless on-demand heater. This year I am, I'm only saving $150 because propane went up a dollar a gallon. So that's, it was a three, it's, it's going to be a four-year payoff with that tankless water heater. It was a one-year payoff for me, and it's probably a two-year payoff now 
for something like that. So these are things where we can solve problems like a Gen Xer. But what does all of this have to do with underground networking? What do you think it has to do with underground networking? Who here knows how to install a solar, solar water heater? Who wants to know now how to install a solar water heater on the roof? Okay, back to the people who want to. We've got a couple. Would you be willing to talk to the people? Okay, hands up if you know how to do it. Yeah, you helped install mine. <laughs> oh, he helped install mine. Yeah. So look around. That's what we're here for. What's another problem we want to solve that we need information? Who knows how to really organize their food storage in a way that makes sense and doesn't cost an arm and a leg? Oh, who wants to know that? <laughs> Hand again. Would you be willing to talk to people about that? Yes. That's what we're here for. When we solve problems together, we get a lot more done. Who wants to learn more about how self-defense with their weaponry? Have you heard of this company called Tactical Response? <laughs> They're going to be here tomorrow. Bear Independent is here. There are people you can talk to about how training is done. If there was a class offered, would you pay money for it? Anybody? Yeah, see? There's a lot you can do, and you can always get better at that. You can always get better at that. Who would be willing to teach a class like that who's qualified? You see that? We, we are our own problem solvers. And when we talk about underground networking, that's what I'm talking about. In past speeches, I have talked to you about the roles, and I'm going to go over those really quickly. The first one is the trader. The trader is the person that has something to sell or to barter. Who here has something for sale? What do you have for sale? Uh, I got yogurt. Yogurt. And, uh, eggs. and eggs. What do you have for sale? Uh, what do you have? Lots of cars. Lots of cars. Who needs a car? There's some cars here. Cars are hard to find right now. We got a car guy. That's pretty cool. What do you have for sale, Miles? Do you have some skills? Are you an electrician? Who here needs an electrician? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Jake, what do you have for sale? Raw land and freeze-dried foods. I, as much as we make fun of the storing of freeze-dried foods, I actually use freeze-dried foods like every day in my life now since I got a, a freeze-dryer. So it's not bad to have them per se. You just want to have ones you use. Okay. Who else has something for sale? Rosie. I've got keto, brownie. keto brownie lady is here. Raise your hand again if you want keto. Who's keto here? Good, because Doc Barry is going to be here at noon, and then we're going to have a birthday cake for Amanda that none of you are going to eat. That's the plan. <laughs> okay, who does not have anything for sale here? What's your name again? Steven, that's right. What do you do? IT. IT, what kind of IT? Uh, servers. Servers? Okay. And where do you live? Knoxville, and do you live on a homestead or what's your homestead like? Uh, do you process chickens? No. Have you ever processed chickens? Um, at, your at mine? Class. Yeah. Oh, you're coming to my class. Okay. I have a class on the 2nd of July, and then you're going to be processing chickens. 
Do you know how to coach somebody through getting baby chicks in the mail and keeping them alive until they are adult chicks? Have you done some things wrong along the way? Have you done some things right along the way? Does anybody here want to learn how to raise chickens? Look around. Do you have something for sale? Okay. Who else didn't have something for sale? I saw another hand. What do you do? Truck driver. You know how to drive a semi? That's badass. Those things are big. You have, you have, a, you have a commercial license then. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any insights on um, challenges in the trucking industry that we might know about, not know about? A few. A few? Are you able to talk about them privately? Can you talk about more things privately than publicly? Hopefully he's not on camera right now. <laughs> Is anybody interested in long-term outlook looks on trucking? So you two could do a session here, anarchy style, about what's up in the shipping industry. Would anybody be willing to trade them something, you know, freeze-dried food, a coaching session of your own, or a little tip if they were to sit there and, and really give you the insights on what's up in the, in the shipping industry? Raise your hand. A couple people. You've got something to sell. You're a trucker, too. Before that, I helped build a solar plant in Arizona. Roofer. He's a roofer. Does anybody need a roof? Bricklayer. Uh, <laughs> Bricklayer. Does anybody want to know how to? Okay. Do you guys get my point about this? Everybody can be a trader. In our community, in our underground network, the most important thing about the trader role is that we stop being uncourageous about what we know and what we have for sale. And after you've done my chicken class one time, you I guarantee you will be able to teach that class again. And you will have the manual. And I sell them in 10 packs if you're going to do a class. But I don't hate money, right? You have something to sell. You have something at value. The biggest challenge I see to this underground network, let's look around. We're going to have probably above 600 people here today. 600 people at a self-reliance festival. <laughs> Guys, our underground network is right here and it's everywhere around us when we go home. And there is no reason to be frightened about the economic crash. There is a reason to be aware of it and be wary of it. We've got each other. All we have to do is let go of all those insecurities that we have. Where we're not good enough to teach a chicken class or we're not good enough to do IT for somebody. I know you don't think that. I'm not good enough to show you my brownie recipe. That is all fully bullshit. That is all fully bullshit. If you have done it once and done it well, you can show somebody else. If you've done it five times and two of those are bad, you're an even better teacher because you'll be like, oh, yeah, so... Um, <clears throat> If you don't clean your duck coop enough with enough wood chips, your ducks get this disease and they die, right, Jack? How'd you learn that lesson? I killed ducks. He killed ducks. <laughs> the thing I want to see us do here is go from we know each other to we've got each other's back. And the only way we can do that is leave our little introverted little doubt voices at the gate, put on our big boy and girl panties, and start talking to each other and being brave about sharing what you do know about and being humble about asking for things that you want to know about. I watched a pig butchering class. Do you know how many pigs I've processed in my life at this point? Probably 10. 
I know a thing or two about butcher. I watched Billy's class and I learned something I had never seen before. It's worth it to go to class after class after class sometimes on things you already know stuff about and be humble. But it's also worth it to show people what you know and be honest. I've processed, you know, my first processing class, I'd only processed about 40 chickens in my life. At this point, it's in the hundreds. But I just did the class. I knew we'd get through it. I knew there'd be people who flubbed the head part. And we'd help them with that. But I knew how to eviscerate a chicken. Now I can eviscerate three to most people's one. <laughs> right? It's just iteration. And if you don't start iterating, we never get there. Okay. The next thing is the traveler. Who's a traveler here? Rebecca. <laughs> right? Our travelers are so important because right now we have a gift. We have a gift that is the internet, which enables us to instantly communicate with each other. It's also a curse. It is also a curse because we are dependent on it. And if it goes away, we're not quite what, sure what to do with ourselves, are we? We have travelers. In a situation where our communication systems are down for a bit, how do we get information from one place to another besides carrier pigeon? Pony Express. You, you end up having a locus like special operations equipment where you can leave a bulletin board and people who pass through leave messages. You know where they do this all the time? Appalachian Trail, right? Yes. As you're hiking along, people are leaving notes to each other at, in, in books at, at, I don't know what they're called, waypoints. I call them waypoints. Who here has a community around them that would be kind of a locus? Special operations equipment is? Jack Spearco's? Where, where's yours? Huh? Jamestown. Jamestown. All right. That's not far from me. So I should get your address in case we ever need to, right? Will you see me later today and we'll do that, right? Who else has a locus? Anybody? Who's willing to have a locus? Oh, where's yours? Indianapolis. Indianapolis local pub. See, we need to get this documented and we need to share it with each other. I need a locus czar. So if you're like, I want to be a locus czar, which means you're going to help us. Whoa. Yeah, that was dramatic. If somebody wants to be the locus czar for people who are into self-reliance and self-reliance festival, we can get a list. We can share a list with people we trust. And then if another community that's strong, like Survival Podcast, has some online communities that already do this, which I know they do, we can have travelers go back and forth, both virtually, right, trusted people, and physically. Because there are just, like, I get random people who want to stay at my place, and I say no a lot because I need to be alone sometimes, but sometimes I say yes. And if not, I usually know a place where they can be. People will come on our Freedom Cell Telegram all the time and say, I'm going to be in Tennessee. Who wants to meet me? The key to success in that particular communication, and this is going to be hard for some of my Gen Ys and my Gen Zs, give us a week or two heads up, man. Because yeah. Gen X, we do solve problems, but we also plan our stuff in advance, and we'll end up, we'll be like, I'm going to be like something else every hour of the day all weekend long. But if I can make time to meet a new person on the way through and like meet them at a bar somewhere or have them come out and check out the place if we have an open house that day, I'm going to do it. I just need more of a heads up than tomorrow because tomorrow is booked. 
And that's an old person problem, sorry. Is what it is. Okay, the partaker. I'm a partaker. You know what the partaker is? People buy my coffee. They love my coffee. Is there other coffee that's as good as mine in this country? No. It's the best coffee, the most premium roast, like most caretaken and freshest beans you'll ever get. Yeah. Um, there are other craft roasters who are really awesome and they make really good coffee. And I think it's important that we, sh that we support craft roasters in the freedom movement, like my friend Brian Norton, Food Forest Farms. He roasts great coffee in Washington State. If you're in Washington State and you're buying his coffee and not mine, I'm not mad at you. I would love it if you buy both our coffees, but I'm not mad at you. But people buy my coffee, why? In addition to the awesome flavor. To support me. And you know what I do when I make purchasing decisions? I look at our network and I say, is there somebody in our network who does video work for money, Rebecca? Do you do video work for money? Yeah. I would rather hire Rebecca than a rando video person that I find who's cheaper than Rebecca. Why? She will be here for me. We will have a relationship. And that is important on anything from video production to if you buy coffee for me on the regular and coffee beans are getting tight, which they will. Guess who gets coffee first? You or new people? You. Jack will always be able to get his coffee for me. <laughs> right? And that kind of thing is what makes our underground network powerful. And you hear me talking about commerce a lot. You know why? Relationships are very commerce related. Even if we have that deep connection, we are getting something from each other. And it's not bad. That's actually a good thing. We should be getting something from each other. We've been taught it is selfish to get things. I give things and get things, and that's okay. I don't have like a tally of like every conversation I had with somebody, and then they have to have a conversation back. But I am not ashamed when, when somebody says, hey, Nicole, can I help you? And I say, you know, I need these charcuterie trays done, and they just did it for me today, right? I'm not, I'm not feeling awkward or out of balance because somebody was willing to do that for me. I'm thankful that my relationship was trusting enough that that person was willing to give me the most important resource they have, which is their time. So when we talk about underground networking, we're also talking about tapping into things, doing commerce with each other. And you know what happens when this gets bigger and bigger and bigger? Do we care if the economy crashed at that point? Why not? Because ours didn't. It's like the answer is that simple. We just need to solve problems like Gen Xers, right? We just need to keep trying. And the thing is, a lot of my Gen X friends are too lazy to do it. So we need Y and Z to step up because you guys got all the energy now. I'll do it. I'll do it. He'll do it. But Gen Z and Y are who save, who, who, who rebuilds the next system. We'll help. It may end up being us at this point. We got Gen Y over there, though, the, uh, the farm stand over there. You'll be hearing from the Hundleys later. Homesteading for a living. That's their channel. 
Who wants to learn how to do homesteading for a living, right? Well, that's Gen Y doing homesteading for a living. They're gonna they're solving problems. So I'm not dissing the generations. I'm just saying we gotta we gotta kick it into overdrive. And then the last thing we need in our communities, and this one's really important, is your evangelist. I'm an evangelist, right? Who else here is though? You are. You're an evangelist. What do you do? Podcast. Podcast. Awesome. Every one of you can be an evangelist without being standing up on the stage here if that makes you scared. But what do we say we need to have to fix this problem? Courage. When people are talking to you about the biggest question on their mind, which this week just happens to be what? How am I going to pay for all the gas? Most people aren't scared about the food. They're scared about the gas, right? This week. What can you do as an evangelist without having to stand on, on a stage right now? You can hook them up with some best practices. Do you let your car get all the way to empty every time and sit on it overnight while the gas is going up 10 cents? Did you have to spend that money anyway? Are there other, other ways? Like, talk them through it. Because when you start talking people through it, they start saying, how do you know all this? Oh, there's your opening. What do you do in answer to that? They're giving you permission to teach it. You say, well, you know, the word prepper has a bad rap, but I, I like to think about the things that are most likely to happen in my life and prepare for them. And this is how I do that. And when you're prepared for those things, when calamity happens, because it will, like really bad shit happens, We've had a civil war once already in this country. That was not a fun time. The skills you get from being prepared, from non-panic related prepping, from just building what I would call a, is a normal way of approaching living are the skills you need to do best in that situation, to step back and say, okay, what, what opportunities are here? How can we take advantage of these opportunities and come out on the other side of this better, even if we have some hard months? That's the beauty of what we have right now. We are not looking at an economic collapse. Oh, no problem. We're looking at an economic transition. That's an opportunity for us. We can build what we know we've always needed to have, what we already have here in this room, bigger. We can build back better. <laughs> Literally, though. And the way we do that is by being focused, letting go of the fear, and stop trying to use laws and voting to decentralize systems. Because laws don't decentralize things, you do. So today, when you're walking around, think about what can I offer? What am I afraid to do that I should just do? And I saw a lot of people in that pig class who were afraid jump in and get bloody. And that was badass, guys. They were like, fine, I'll do it. And then once one person does it, another person does it. Use the peer pressure here to come out enthusiastic, go home and hit the ground running because next Self-Reliance Festival in October, what I want to see, see is that, is that entire, entire vendor row is full and we are trading more and more and more with each other. We are supporting each other in skills and we have anarchy presentations in the campground like we're totally going to have this time now. 
What's an anarchy presentation, you ask? Well, now that you're aware you have skills, go out there and start sharing them. Just because you're not on the agenda doesn't mean you can't do a demo. Just don't do a demo that pisses Mama Sauce off by being in her way. That's the only rule. <laughs> That's the only rule. Guys, we've got this. Our underground network is here. It's now. And all we have to do is build it. But it's up to you. Thanks for listening to me for a whole 45 minutes. <laughs> So I started 15 minutes early. I have 10 minutes for questions if anybody has a question or comment. Our next session will be 10:15, and it is the chicken tractor on steroids. With, if you're worried about sustainable food, Billy has a way of using compost to feed your chickens so you don't need as much feed. So definitely come back for that. Does anybody have any comments or questions? Yes, in the back. What's the best way to start a conversation when people say, well, something happens, I'm coming to your house? Okay, what's the best way to start a conversation? I'm repeating this for video. When people say, if there's a problem, I'm coming to your house. Here's, here's where we got to get balls, right? We're going to have to learn a really uncomfortable word. I'm going to ask you to practice it with me right now, okay? No. No. Say it. Here's another, Here's another one. one. No, thank you. See, you can make a lot about it. What do you do? So, okay, I understand what you're saying. If you, you want to come here and, and tap into So what can you bring to the table? Because if you don't come with skills or a relationship enough that I'm willing to take care of your butt, I'm going to put you to work. The way John Willis thinks about this is he's like, what jobs can I make people do? And if they don't earn it, they don't get it, right? So it's a hard conversation. You don't have to just be like in their face, no. You can say no, thank you. And say, okay, well, let's talk about what you need to have. You need to have your own shelter. Um, you need to bring some skills or be willing to work in my garden X hours a day. Um, and I'm going to be your boss. You're going to have to do what I say or I'm going to kick you out. It's, it's not a fun conversation. They're kind of saying it in jest, but they're also feeling you out when they do that. And you can be kind about it and say, you know, if you want to come out this weekend when we're processing chickens and help, you'll see if you kind of, you can build a skill and then you're more likely to be welcome. And you need to decide how many can I, how many people can I help? Who is on the list and who is not on the list? Sometimes you already know who's not on the list. And have thought that through for yourself, too, because if there really is a problem and you don't know who you're saying no to out of the chute, you're going to have to make that decision on the fly. And if you're with the person who's next to you smiling and nodding or two together, yeah, you have to be in agreement on that list. So it's a good idea to talk to the people most likely to do that, right? Your, your body language just said couple. Um, so I hope that helps. Any other, Any questions? other questions? Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to get involved in the local network, but I am complete Luddite, absolutely technologically challenged to the max. How do I cut you off? You are, you are the story you tell yourself. So the first story you're telling yourself is you can't use technology. Okay. And so you might want to tell yourself a different story. I would like to use, I'm going to learn how to use technology to connect with people. And then you don't have to use it all the time. You can be very limited. But I would start by addressing that. And then where are you located? Plateau. Plateau? Where is that? Cookville. Okay, do you know anybody who, who lives near Cookville and has a community? 
There's a free, there's a freedom cell in Cookville that meets regularly that was started by Brad. I can't remember his last name right now. Who has raw milk. He's out of Spencer. And that might be a good way to get connected. Do you know another community within a 35-minute drive from you that has open houses and chicken processing workshops on their homestead? <laughs> Livingfreeintennessee.com. Come get shit done. Yeah. We have open houses. If you pay attention to my podcast, you'll hear about them. If you join our MeWe or Telegram group, You'll see that stuff happen as well. And I will be doing some open houses after this event through the summer where we're just like, hey, we're going to go plant X or work on fencing. Anybody who just wants to come out, no, no fee, no promises, but just come out and hang out. We'll get to know you. That's all you do. You show Thomas and Josh are either one of you around. They're working parking right now. Thomas and Josh were at Jack Spearco's. And I gave a different underground networking talk then. And they walked up and they said, um, um, so, so we live in McMinnville, and we've never connected with anyone. McMinnville is very close to me. And he said, and how, he said do how do I connect with you? How do I get in the GSD group? And I said, we need to communicate, and we'll bring you out. And now, like, a week ago, they stopped by my house and gave me some plant starts and took some of my aquatic plants back to their place so we could start that exchange. Thomas came out Friday and helped us set up. So I'm a locust. I will say no if I don't want people to stop by, but I will say yes if I can make time for it. So, Nicole at livingfreeintennessee.com. Okay, it's possible you got me when I was in a server change. If you don't hear, yeah, if you don't, yeah, it's happened to me. If you don't hear from me back one time, do it again. Yeah, do it again. Yeah, I, it's, it's not intentional, but I do miss emails sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody did that the other day, and Tactical wouldn't let him on the property. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Okay, anything else? We have one more. Time for one more. Anybody? Okay, cool. okay we'll see you, see back, you back here, here in about 15, 15 minutes with Billy, Billy Bond. Thank, Thank you, guys. Make it.
environment exceeding on the level of our unconsciousness. For example, what does the billboard say? Come and play, come and play. Forget about the movement. 